0: Hallelujah. We've been in this sermon series. What's the name of our sermon series? Grace. Come on. Somebody's been listening in the house. Hallelujah. If it's your first time visiting here, I want you to come back. I'm Pastor Ashley. I preach about one time a month, but Pastor Anthony generally preaches. So come on back, honey. If I'm not your flavor, come next Sunday and hear somebody else. Is that all right? Praise the name of the Lord. We're talking about grace. Somebody say grace. Somebody say, "Grace, all right, we're going to be in second Corinthians.'re going to be in the twelfth chapter, and we're going to be in verses eight and nine. We're going to start there as our key scripture, but we're going to go through the word today if that's all right. Second Corinthians twelve eight and nine. and I know we've had some technical difficulties, and they told me this morning that we may not have the screens, and I said that's all right, honey. We've got so sophisticated. Hallelujah. I remember a day where you didn't know the words. You just had to catch on with what they were saying. Listen, they repeated it about 30 times, so you got it. All right, and you had to bring a paper Bible, and you had to turn those pages. And so we're going to be some old school saints today. Is that all right? They don't get it on there. We got it. Hallelujah. So we're going to 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, and it says this, the New Living Translation Says it this way. It says three different times. How many times? Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, this is Paul speaking. He says, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The word of the Lord is already blessed. We've been in this sermon series this month about the grace of God. We're talking about his grace. What is that? Pastor preached so well last Sunday. He said it's his unmerited favor. It's also his sustaining power. It's his ability to keep you if you want to be kept come on that's what the old saints used to say and so as we read in this text we're reading the words of Paul who says I begged him three different times not just once not just twice but I begged God three different times saying Lord take this thorn away from me but each time he said the Lord replied that my grace is is all you need the king james says my grace is what sufficient my power works best in weakness and so as we are talking about the grace of god this month today i want to talk from the subject grace for the meantime somebody say grace for the meantime now we all have had we all are having or we all will have a meantime. What is the meantime? It's that time in between when you prayed that prayer and you're waiting on the answer. Come on. It's the time between the problem and the solution. It's the time between that tribulation until you get to relief. Say we've all had a meantime. And so all of us need to understand that there is a grace for the meantime. What do you do in the meantime? If we look at our key scripture today and what what Paul is saying to the church of Corinth that I asked three times. And he told me each time that my grace is sufficient. So the first thing that we have to understand in the meantime is we have to realize that his grace is all we need. Come on, somebody say his grace is all I need. Paul wanted the thorn to be removed from his flesh, but God said, my grace is sufficient. Not only that, but Paul said he heard him say that his power, God's power works best when in our weakness. Somebody needs to hear that today and receive that because I know we hear all the time. You just need to be strong. Come on. You just need to get it together, all right? But he's not looking for you to be anything, right? He's not looking for you to do anything. All he wants you to understand is that my grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need. His grace is what? His grace is sustaining power, That's an important revelation of truth because his grace, what he's saying is, my grace is all that you need. When the prayer hasn't been answered, you still have all you need. Come on. When the sickness hasn't left your body, you still have everything that you need. When the promise is yet to be fulfilled, you still have everything that you need. Come on, the children of Israel, even in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness had everything that they needed. They had food, manna from heaven. They had clothes. And the Bible says they had the same pair of shoes for 40 years, and he didn't allow it to wear out. Because they had everything that they needed. But just like them, we murmur, And complain. I have food, but it's ramen noodles, not a steak. Come on. I got shoes, but they old. I want some new ones. Come on. I got a roof over my head, but it ain't that house down the street. Come on. But God is saying you have everything that you need. Somebody say, I have everything that I need. Many of us. Are in the meantime, not because we don't have what we need, but because we don't have what we think we should have. Can we be honest Today, for many of us, for some of us, God is waiting on you to use what you have. To stop complaining about where you are so that he can give you what's next. Come on. We tell our kids all the time, don't ask for seconds if you haven't finished your first plate. Come on, you asking for new shoes when them shoes ain't wore out. Come on, you asking for new blessing when you haven't did what you were supposed to do with the first one. Can we be real in the house today? You have everything that you need. God is saying, Paul, even with the thorn in your flesh, and I know theologians, we, we like to debate about what the thorn is, but today I don't care what the thorn is. What I care about is that he had everything he needed and that the grace of God was sufficient, all right? So he's telling Paul, God is telling Paul, even with the thorn in your flesh, the matter that you can't seem to resolve, the illness that keeps lurking, the bills that keep piling up, my grace is all you need. Why? Because it's what's going to keep you. Come on. We're waiting and we're praying to God about stuff that won't sustain us when He's already given us the thing that will sustain us. Come on. A higher paycheck is not going to sustain you. Come on. More clothes is not going to sustain you. Being an entrepreneur is not going to sustain you. The thing that will sustain you, you already have. It's His grace. Somebody say it's His grace. See, we think the power is in receiving the promise. We think the power is in receiving the blessing. We think the power is in receiving the thing. But, honey, the power is is in holding on to the grace that you already have until you receive the promise. He has given us all sufficient sustaining grace. Somebody say, sustaining grace. What is sustaining grace? That means he gives us the ability to tolerate. Come on. To endure the places where we are. Come on. To withstand the trials that we are in. To weather the storm. Grace doesn't just give you things. I know I love that part of it, that aspect, that saving grace, that unmerited favor, those things that we don't deserve, honey. We shout on that stuff. Come on. He preached so good about it last week. We got scholarship. We got credit through grace, things that we don't deserve. We we shout on that. But guess what? Grace doesn't just give us things. It gives you ability that you should not have. Somebody say ability. When everyone around you is losing it, you have the ability to stay sane. Come on. When everyone else around you is disheartened and losing hope because they saw on the news that a crazy person went into a Tops grocery store and start shooting innocent people. And so all across the timeline, people are saying, there is no God. How can he be sitting up there and looking at this? When everybody around you is losing hope and trust, you have the ability to say, my God is still good. Come on, that's grace. That's sustaining power. Come on, when people are saying, you've been sick for 20 years, you've been in every prayer line, you still got that disease. Come on, you just need to curse God. Grace is the ability to say, he's still a healer. Come on. Grace is the ability. It's sustaining power. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40, we get a story about Jesus. Jesus, in these few verses, tells the people following him in the crowd he says, let's go across the water. Where did he say to go? Across the water to the other side. And the Bible says that some of the people begin to follow him onto the boat. And at some point, while Jesus and those that followed were on the boat, the Bible says that the winds begin to blow. And the waves of the water get so strong that some of the water begins to get in the boat. And the Bible says that there was so much water in the boat that the people in the boat begin to be frightened and afraid. And the Bible says in verse 37 that the boat was almost full of water. And while all of this was going on, somebody say, where was Jesus? While all of this was going on, it says that Jesus was inside the boat, sleeping, calmly. It even gave the detail that he was resting on a pillow. Come on, he was getting some good sleep. He was getting some good sleep. Can we be honest that sometimes it feels like that? We feel like those followers, that all hell is breaking loose in our life, and Jesus is somewhere asleep. Come on. Where are you, Jesus? The water is filling up my boat. I feel like I'm drowning in the circumstances of life. Where are you, Jesus? Somebody say, where are you, Jesus? But what we have to understand is what he said in verse 35. When in for before he invited them to follow he says we are going to across the lake to the other side now the issue is like the followers we focus on the storm not the word that was said come on I know that the winds are blowing I know that the water is coming over you. But his first word was, come with me across the lake to the other side. And sometimes if we just focus on the fact, I'm going to get there because you said that that's where we're going. But they decided to focus on the wind, to focus on the storm, and they got terrified. Why was Jesus sleeping? He already knew the destination. Come on, I've already said that we where we're going, and we're going to get there. And so you have to understand this thing. Distractions in life. Come on, the storm is a distraction. You got to hear it. Distractions in life only stop you from getting the word of God when you allow it to. Come on, when you allow it to. Jesus is sleeping. And sometimes we get fixated on the trial. We get fixated on the storm that we forget that he's already given us the destination. Ain't no storm going to change the destination. Come on. The winds may blow but the plans don't change. Come on. I may some I may have some hindrances in my way. I may have to take some detours, honey, but the destination does not change. Come, Somebody say, I'm going to get there. And so why does he give us this grace? Because he realizes that there's going to be some storms. Why does he give us this ability, this sustaining grace? Because he realizes that we're going to have to be kept so that we will arrive at the destination. Come on. Somebody say he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And so Jesus, they go to wake Jesus up. I can see Jesus, the picture of him. He's like, I'm sleeping good. I told y'all we're going to the other side. Do you not believe yet? And that's the question he asked him. Do you not yet believe? Because as soon as he gets up, he says, storm stop. Waves come down. All right? Now, do y'all not believe And that's what he wants to say to us today. If I said it, come on, will I not perform it? You're acting like just because there is some hindrances in your way that that can stop my work. But I have the power over every storm. Come on. And I've already given you everything you need to get through the storm. Come on. My grace is sufficient today. Just ride it out, baby, because we're going to get to the other side. Come on, somebody say, I'm getting to the other side. In the meantime, but in the meantime, what do we do in the meantime? Somebody ask your neighbor, what do you do in the meantime? James understood that there was going to be some hard times on this journey. Come on. You know it. There's some rough patches. There's some turbulent times. And so what does James tell the reader to do? James 1, verses 1 through 4, says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations come on he's talking to the remnant the 12 tribes scattered among the nations he says consider it what pure joy my brothers when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what mature and complete not lacking anything. I love that. Not lacking anything. And let me tell you this today, if you truly know what joy is, you can understand why it is absolutely possible to count your storms, your trials, your tribulations as joy. Now too often we get these words mixed up. Happy and joy. But they are, in fact, two very different things. Happiness is an emotion. Come on, And can we be real in here? I'm a counselor. counsel people every week, and our emotions lie to us all the time. Come on, can we be real? <laughs> Happiness is an emotion that is exp- expressed based on how we feel about what is happening. Joy, in its biblical sense, is in direct contrast to happiness. Joy is not an emotion. It's a quality in a state of being. Come on, somebody say joy is a state of being. I don't feel joy. I have joy. I feel happy. I don't feel joy. I have joy. Come on. Joy is anchored while happiness is anchored in what's happening. Joy is anchored in who God is. It is an internal expression that is not predicated on external factors. Come on. So that's why when all hell is breaking loose, when the world is going crazy, we still up here praising God. Come on. The old folks used to say, this joy that I have, come on. The world didn't give it to me. Come on. Because the joy that I have is not predicated on what's going on externally. It's predicated on what's internal, what's in me, who lives in me, who he is. Our circumstances do not bring us joy. They don't dictate whether we have joy, it is our relationship with God and the knowledge of who he is that brings us joy. Now, religion seeks to cancel Jesus. You know, we live in this cancel culture. Religion cancels Jesus and says, I've done everything right. I did everything I was supposed to do. And my mama still passed away. I prayed real hard and I still didn't get the job. Religion cancels Jesus, but relationship says, baby, this roof is falling off. My check was short this week. My kid's acting a fool, but God, you are good. Come on, that's relationship. And joy is based on your what? Relationship. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen, married people. I can say this. We celebrated our anniversary this week. We don't make each other happy every day, but he brings me joy because I know who he is. Come on. Can we talk good in here? And so when we have an understanding of what joy is, that he remains the same, that God doesn't change. And so even in the midst of our meantime situations, we can count it all joy. We can count it all joy. James says, Count it all joy. Your outside situation, your external situation may not be what it ought to be, but God never changes. The thing that's inside of you never changes. God remains the same. Come on, He's good when life isn't good. He's good. When life is given up on you. He's good when you've given up on life. He's good when others leave you. He's good when you're broke. He's good when you're rich. He's good when you're sick. He's good when you're well. Somebody say, he's just good. Come on. And so we can count it all joy. We can count it all joy. What do we do in the meantime? Number one, we count it all joy. Number two, Somebody say, you keep on going. Because I said before, the only way we miss the destination is if we stop. Come on, you got to keep on going. He told Paul, don't stop, but keep serving me even with the thorn in your flesh. Because why? My grace is sufficient. James tells us that that thorn, that hardship, it has an assignment. Come on, say it has an assignment, and every God assignment must complete its work. Come on, he's not the teacher that's going to let you off the hook because it took you an hour and ten minutes to take the test, and it's time for my break, and I'm sick of looking at you, so you just get to get up and not finish it. But he says, I'm patient enough to wait for you because this thing has to complete its work. This assignment has to be completed, and I'm just going to wait for you to stop complaining about it. I'm going to wait for you to stop murmuring about it. I'm going to wait for you to stop just sitting down in it. When you get up, come on, and realize that you have everything you need, come on. When you realize that that thing is working something in you, come on, then I'm going to finish the work. James says we can count it all joy because we understand the assignment, I'm not scared of this storm because he already told me that we're going to the other side. I can handle this hardship because I understand that it has a work to do. Somebody say it has a work to do. Now, listen, James says that we are going to experience testings and trials. And we taught last week in our fresh start that God won't tempt you but he will test you. Our tests and trials are working for us, not against us. He's trying to develop something in us. I don't know about you. I don't know if any of you are into photography. And I know that we have these digital cameras and all of these things, great things. So we're used to things being instant but old-time photography i'm calling it old time come on old-time photography i'm talking about that takes film back in the day we used to have to put the film in the cameras. anybody remember that come on mama screaming don't get your fingerprint on the film put it in right come on we had to put film in the cameras and what would happen is that we, when we took a picture, the image would be imprinted on the film paper due to the exposure of the light. And so we had our picture in our camera, but that film then had to be developed in the dark so that the picture that we captured would match what our eyes saw. Come on. And so God has already imprinted his plan on our life. Come on. We've already been exposed to his light. But he said, now I got to develop that thing and it has to be developed in the dark. Come on. What's the dark? It has to be developed in some hardship. It has to be developed in some struggles. It has to be developed in some trials. It has to be developed in some tribulations. I'm just trying to get the picture out of you. Come on. Come on, somebody say, let it complete his work. The thing that he's placed inside of you, that dream, that vision, that work, that ministry has already been exposed to his light. What he said, the provision that he's made for it, it's already there, but it has to be developed. Somebody say, Lord, develop me. I'm trying to help somebody today because you keep trying to run from this trial. You keep trying to run out of this tribulation. Come on, you are—you are, you cursing this storm. But he said, I allowed it to develop something in you. Why do trials come? Why do tribulations come? James said they come to test our faith. Jesus asked his followers at the boat, do you still not believe? Come on, you didn't saw grandma healed. He didn't made a way for you numerous times. But this thing you in, you decide to give up on. Do you still not believe? If I said we're going to the other side, baby, we're going. I didn't tell you it was going to be a smooth ride, but we're going to get there. Come on. I didn't tell you there was going to be a storm raging on the ocean, but we're going to get there. Somebody say, I'm going to get there. No matter what, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. The trials come to develop us. My storm is working for me. What's been deposited on the inside? Come on. That seed that's been deposited on the inside can only bloom when it goes through a little bit of rain. Come on. I don't know what kind of seed y'all got, but I haven't met a seed now that didn't need some water. Come on. And I haven't met a seed yet that didn't have to be planted, planted deep in some dirt. So, honey, it's deep down. I may be deep down in this dirt of life. Come on. What do the young folks say? They came through the mud. Come on. I may be deep down in the mud of life, but I understand that the storm is going to cause some things to bloom in me. Come on, somebody say, bloom in me, Jesus. Come on. it's come to develop us. Anybody like diamonds in here? Come on. Only one person like diamonds in here, a couple of people. All right, come on. Be real in the house. Come on, be real in the house. They say that diamonds are somewhat of an unsightly figure in their natural habitat. habitat. But when the pressures of life, when the fires of trials are applied, then they begin to shine they begin to sparkle and that's the thing that makes them desirable to the consumer. God is our consumer. The Bible says that we've been bought with a price in our natural self. We are unsightly to God. In fact, he has to turn his back because of the ugliness of our sin condition. But when we accept him, we accept the purification process. Come on. Some of us thought that we were going to accept this thing called salvation and we were going to be riding on a rainbow. Come on. But when we accept salvation, you are accepting his purification process. So he takes us through the fires of life. Sometimes he allows the temperature to go higher and higher. Come on. To the point that we don't think we're going to be able to make it. Am I talking to somebody? But rest assured that it has a purpose. God is saying, I need you to go through this fire. Even if I allow the temperature to be turned up, it's only because I need you to shine a little brighter. Come on. I need you to sparkle a little more. I don't know if anyone here is a true diamond kind of sore but there are four things to consider when you buy a diamond come on listen to this if you if you haven't been engaged you make sure that whomever is coming for you that they understand that there are four things to consider when buying a diamond and one of those things is clarity somebody say clarity now clarity refers to the presence of impurities on or within the stone. Those diamonds with high ratings have very few impurities. They're rare and they're valuable. And I just believe that the remnant is a people who have withstood trial who have allowed the fires of those trials to burn out every impurity and so that we can receive the clarity that God is looking for. What is that clarity? To be a church body without a spot, come on, or a wrinkle. We're in the word. A spot or a blemish. People that will only shine in his light. Come on, not our own. Come on, that's a whole word. Somebody say I'm the remnant. And in my study looking at diamonds, I found something very peculiar. That there is a new practice that uses technology to enhance the clarity of a diamond. And many of your diamond stores have gone on record to warn people that these diamonds that have been artificially engineered with technology come on to clear to give them clarity will not hold up as well come on they will look great in normal conditions but they have a tendency to crack and break when pressure comes I don't know about you but I don't want an engineered faith that only works when things are going well I don't want an engineered praise that only occurs when my bank account is full. I don't want an engineered religion that only comes to church when things are working out for me. Come on. God is looking for a diamond that will shine when you broke. That's going to shine when you sick. Come on. That's going to shine when your prayer hasn't gotten answered. He's looking for someone who is going to withstand the test and the trial and won't fall apart when the difficult times come. Are you in here today? Come on. Anybody that don't want to be engineered artificially. Come on, I don't want you to prop me up. I don't want people to prop me up because they will bring me down. Come on, all I want is God to shine his light through me and if he has to do that through trial and tribulation and hardship, so be it. In the meantime, come on, in the meantime, somebody say in the meantime. We have to understand that his grace is sufficient. He's saying today, and I'm closing. He's saying today, I may not remove you from the situation. But what you have to understand is that I'm in the boat with you. Come on. That's what his followers missed. I don't have to be worried about this storm that I'm in. Because Jesus Is in the boat with me. Come on. I may not remove you from the situation. I may not give you that thing that you think you really need. I may not heal your loved one on this side of heaven. Come on. I may not come quickly to your rescue during the trial, but I'm going to give you everything you need to weather this storm. I'm going to give you everything everything you need to endure this trial. Understand this today. Sister said it. She talked about the building. Understand this today that I'm building something in you. Come on. I'm building something in you. See, we want to go fast, but the race isn't given to the swift. Whew. I'm building something something in you we want everything all at once we want to hold it all but the race isn't given to the strong come on the race is given to the one who will endure are you willing to go through come on because we always shout about the word we shout about the blessing that we're anticipating but sometimes we need to sit and think is that thing worth going through for Because it sounds good when they tell you, God has called you to be an entrepreneur. Come on. God has called you to have this great ministry. That sounds good. And we praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you the truth. If he called you to do all of that, then he also called you to suffer. Because he said, you're not going to reign with me unless you know how to do what? Suffer with me. Come on, we don't preach these kind of messages. We want to shout about he's blessing me. The Lord is blessing me right now. The Lord, we want all of that, okay? But what comes with the blessing is testing. Come on, we have to be able to endure hardship. We need perseverance. Perseverance. We need patience. We need the type of Christianity that's built on hardship. We need the Christianity that's built on the place of trial and tribulation. If you do not have that, come on. If you do not have that in this season that we're living in, you're not going to make it just yesterday you guys may have seen it i don't know who you guys follow online but a bishop pastor of hundreds is dealing with hardship dealing with the trial of grief he lost two loved ones and because we don't we're not taught how to deal with hardship he wrote a whole post bishop preaching the gospel hundreds of people and churches under him. He wrote a whole post that says just missing my loved ones so much and I preach and I preach Jesus but I had to do something to hear from them so I went to a medium. We're talking about church folks. Now what he's unleashed on his life in his church is terribly unfortunate. But this is what happens when we don't teach people that a part of this Christian way is hardship. And so when trials come, we bend and break, and then we go do things the world's way, and then we then open ourselves to a whole demonic portal. Understanding that grief is not easy. Hardship is not easy. Trial is not easy. Tribulation is not easy. But if we don't allow those things to work their perfect work in us, we're going to bend and we're going to break. It's a reason when Jesus says we're going to the other side that he doesn't allow the ride to be smooth because we'll be just serving a Mickey Mouse God. Come on. Some of us, the only reason why we know God is real is because he kept us when our life was a mess. Can we be real in the house? If everything happened the way that you want it to happen, if everything happened so smoothly, what would that be building in you? What would that be building in you? As parents, we don't let our our kids have everything they want because we got to build some patience in them. We got to build some character in them. Because if every time my kid asked for something, I gave it, and I gave it to him, he'll be thinking the whole world was like that. And soon as somebody didn't give him what he wanted, he will be distraught. And some of us, praise the name of the Lord. Worship team, y'all come on. Y'all come on. Praise the name of the Lord. Some of us, God is trying to mature us. It's what James said. He says that that trial, that tribulation is working in you, patience, perseverance, so that you can be mature and complete. And then he says lacking no good thing. Come on. But the world and this mind of ours, that's why we have to renew it daily. Come on. This mind will tell you I'm already lacking. I don't have what I need. I don't have all the money I need. Come on. I don't have the clients that I need but James is saying the true thing that we're lacking is the ability to tolerate to withstand to endure to sustain and so what gives us those things are our trials and tribulations and when we go through them that matures us and takes us to a place where we lack no good thing. Come on, I say this all the time, that God's way is not the world's way. And some of us are trying to define God by that system. God's way isn't you go through kindergarten, through 12th grade, and you graduate it's not that linear, it's not that progressive. Come on. It's you confess me as Lord. You own this high, you got all this deal, you telling everybody about me. You telling everybody how blessed you are. Then they didn't let you go from your job, and you was the witness up there. And then all the folks at your job got to watch you get fired. Where is God? He said, I'm building something in you. I don't want your report about me just to be about what's happening in your life. Because a better report to the world is, I'm going through just like you, but I have joy. Come on, we're standing. We're standing. Praise the name of the Lord. One day the Lord is going to give me a shouting message <laughs> an exciting message praise the name of the Lord. But the main thing I always want to do is tell the truth. I don't want the remnant church to be a place that say I went to church every Sunday. I heard the word. But soon as I was tested, I broke. Because all I heard every Sunday was things that was going to make me happy. Come on. We've had too much of that. I believe it's our season. I believe we're going to be blessed. I believe that he's given us life abundantly. All of those things are true. But in all of those things, there's still a mean time. There's still a mean time. And his grace is sufficient for every meantime. time. I'm going to open this altar today if you're not saved. Certainly that's the first thing I want you to do is to accept his saving grace. The grace that says because of sin you deserve hell, but I'm going to give you heaven instead because I have paid the price. And you can receive that today. If you are in need of healing, the altar is open for you.